0: Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. I really hope I've unmuted my mic and that there are going to be no technical issues this evening. So, as the thumbnail quite clearly shows and the title of the video quite clearly says, I'm joined tonight by Gutstick Gibbon. I've had to write this down because I know I like to speak to really smart people, but I've never had such a long list of achievements, so she's a master's of research in primate biology, behaviour and conservation, with a BSA in pre-professional animal science and minors in anthropology and biology. That makes my BTEC first diploma in business and finance seem completely irrelevant, doesn't it? But uh, there we are. It is what it is. So, good evening. How are you? Oh, I'm doing just fine. How are you? I'm I'm overjoyed as always. I'm always... I'm the happiest, miserable old man on the face of the earth. <laughs> I never complain because there's no point because nobody cares anyway. So let me just very quickly say hello to a few people. Good evening, Brian. Plan a walk. Uh, a Marvel girl. Good evening. How are you, sweetie? Um, good evening, Mrs. Schrodinger's cat. Nice to see you. Uh, Jennifer Klein, the happy little fox, a.k.a. Benji. Dan Hetfield, Padjo Lee, Purple Snowdrop. And everyone I've missed because I'm sure there will be many. So this is how it works. It's not overly exciting. It's not overly taxing. There will be nothing that I am sure you cannot handle. Um, I'm just uh, confusing myself. So your degree. How can I? Can I first of all? I know it's rude to ask a lady your age, but. The more guests I get on this show, the older I'm starting to feel, and I'm pretty Please. sure I've got belts older than you.
1: Oh, come on. I don't believe that for a second. I'm 26, but I'm usually clocked as significantly younger on the channel. I've got kind of a, a very neonatal face, I got, so I, I usually get, you know, 17, 18, stuff like that, which is really handy. I'm sure it'll be handy at some point in my life, but... A oh, couple well. summers ago, my, my usual go-to for this, uh, you know, your source of irritation, naturally isn't even buying alcohol. It's I was uh, I dug up from my basement a couple months ago a, a, a BB gun. Right, uh, went to go buy BBs, got carded for BBs. You got to be sixteen to buy BBs in the United States. Yeah. So I was like, all right, I'm getting a little insulted at this point.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so you get ID'd for, in in the UK, you get ID'd for energy drinks, scratch off cards, yeah. anything like that. I suppose you buy them with fear then.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. When I, you know, I lived in the UK for nine months, and I was. Oh really?
0: I didn't know that. Where about? Yeah, that's was,
1: where I got, I got my uh, master's degree there in London.
0: I was going to say, was it as part of your study? So you lived in in London itself, or?
1: I did. Yes, South London. Yeah, I got my um, my degree from University of Rockhampton there. So yeah. I, I loved it. I actually, I miss London terribly. Yeah, I,
0: I I love London as well. I spend quite a lot of time there. My youngest son was born with a a condition and the only hospital in the UK that has doctors that can look after him is Great Ormond Street in London. So we have spent many a week, a month, days upon days in London, um, you know, for for my son to be looked after in in the hospital. But uh, we, we kind of grew to love the place. And now if we fancy a weekend away, we tend to go to London.
1: Yeah, you guys get the most killer, you know, museum system over there. It's it's just completely free. You can show yeah. up to the to natural history museum and natural history museum rather, and and spend all day there. I probably went eight or nine times while I was there. It was awesome.
0: Yeah, yeah. The British
1: Museum, history school. It's it's an incredible opportunity. We don't have that here in the states. You can pay. Yeah. To field
0: museum. Yeah. Do you know what I? I think they see it here as as sort of cultural education that everybody deserves to be able to get regardless of their financial, you know, status. So I th- I think that's yeah. why we, that's why we do it. So yeah. Pretty much everything that I'm going to speak to you about tonight is going to be based around the types of content we make. I know yours is very different from mine, but I know that you've got a particular interest in young earth creationism as well, probably from Whoa. a different standpoint to me, but I ask this question, I've asked it to everybody I've had on to talk about young earth creationism so far. So when I see somebody like Kent Hovind being a complete moron, which is the politest way I can think of describing him, it it infuriates me because I can see how wrong he is and I can see how stupid some of the things he says are. But I then have to go and sort of research a particular... I, I released a video on Friday about Kent it was a five minute video off his channel and it, it uh, on its first watch, it looked as if it was going to be something really simple to kind of point and laugh at. But I ended up that I've that's the video that that's the most researched video that I've had to do so far when responding to anybody, because even though I knew everything he was saying was completely wrong, I couldn't articulate why. And I I read so much information about sort of early man um, that it sort of boiled my brain. So I can see it's stupid, then I have to go and look for it. But somebody like you, if he says, you know, we came from a rock, that must infuriate you even more because you just know why that's wrong.
1: Well, you know, it's it's interesting that you say that because I I actually often run into the same problem that, that you're talking about right there, right? Uh, it's there's a the word for I think it's called Bernoulli's law, where it's like the <laughs> the amount of time it says to say a completely BS sentence is you know exponentially proportional to the amount of time that it takes to actually debunk the sentence, right? You can just mm-hmm. say wrong things, and Kent can and does make his entire living off of saying wrong things. Yes. But it's one thing to say for Kent to sit there and say something like, you know, radiometric dating doesn't work, or you can you really think you are, you really think you came from rock? you know, he can sit there and say these things. Uh, and then it'll take you, you know, two hours to figure out, okay, well, first of all, you know, how does radiometric dating work? Right? How do we know that it's correct? Um, and that because you want to do your due diligence often takes a long time. And, yeah, you know, I, I'm trained formally in in uh, biology and anthropology, things like that, um, specifically with extant primates. So when it comes to claims like that, I can usually get nip them in the bud pretty quickly just because yeah. I have that background in it. But I really sympathize with what you're saying there, because it's like Kent can cover 50 subjects incorrectly in a single hour. Yeah. <laughs> and if you want to sit down and debunk that, it's going to take, you know, it's an hour to view all that nonsense. It's going to take you 10 hours to go and tease out each individual Mm -hmm. claim and get into why it's wrong the fortunate thing with creationists is that they tend to recycle arguments a lot yeah Kent in particular is very behind the times when it comes to the things that he's arguing so usually there's someone out there who has has kind of done their due diligence with that once before and you can at least consult and you know cross-check those kinds of those kinds of things, but Kent is exhausting. So I I really am sorry you had to spend so much time getting into the weeds with
0: him. And it it, it literally was, it was page after page of things I had to re- I, So I've got, uh, the only way I can describe it is like a bank of people that I can reach out to. So if somebody says something in a video that I'm trying to debunk or just point and laugh at or whatever it may be, yeah. I'm always very cautious that I don't make myself look as stupid as they are making themselves look by saying the wrong thing. So I've got yeah. Simon Dan, Conspiracy Cats, um, Forrest Falcai now. So I email, I did my own research, and then I emailed Forrest and said, look, this is what Kent Hovind said. This is what I want to say. So basically what it was, he said, um, I'm paraphrasing because I, I can't remember it word for word. Um, he said if the earth is 4.5 billion years old uh he was using population as an argument for a young earth so he said that if you take the number of people on earth now and do the math you can work it back mathematically to eight people that got off the ark which we know is completely <laughs> ridiculous so i did the reading and it took me hours just to find this little bit of information out so I kind of formulated my own response, sent it to Forrest, and then he kind of replies and says, that, so that bit's right, but you need to say this as well, or you need to take that part out because it's not really relevant. But like you say, one sentence took me two hours of reading.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I mean, golly, that's that's actually, you know, strikes me as a newer claim that Kent is utilizing the whole population growth. Um, sort yeah. of Classic. Uh, But the the weird thing about the population growth is like, that comes from, so the answers in Genesis, classic young earth creationist organization, they've covered the population growth stuff, they actually have to invoke two separate population growth rates in order to get back to their eight individual people who are coming off the ark, right? Because first they have to have this insane exponential rate in order to to get enough people to enough places to account for the megalithic structures that we have. Pyramids of Giza, ziggurats over in, in South and Central America. Uh, different massive structures over in China, and they need those people to be there and making these structures so that, you know, when Abraham and company end up in these locations, at least in Mesopotamia, those structures are there, right? Egypt has to be there and doing Egypt stuff by that time in order to make the later Bible stories work. Um, And so they'll invoke this insane population growth rate that does not include, mind you, infant mortality or plague or famine or any kind of, of regular accounts for population growth rates that we utilize today just and and women are just popping them out like gangbusters they're just having kid after kid after kid constantly barefoot and pregnant from 15 to however the hell old they're living at the time yeah. in order to get enough people. but then in the second they feel like they've got enough folks to account for these these megalithic structures then all of a sudden the population growth rate just kind of goes back to normal yeah um and it's conventional in yeah. nature
0: the, the um, way i understood what what Kent was actually getting at the point he was trying to make would have relied on population growth being a constant and having no variations, you know, there are 10 million yeah. new human beings born into the world every five years and he thinks, well, I think that he thinks it's always been that way. He didn't take anything into account, like you just you just mentioned the pl- the plague, the Black Plague, and other events that have wiped out millions, even billions of people. You know, he doesn't take anything like that into account. It's just another example of cherry picking something that he thinks strengthens his argument, but the only way he can he can get it to appear as such is to omit lots of important information that clearly would show that he was wrong. And he seems to have become a master of doing that.
1: I I don't think Kent cares. Um, I think Kent has been corrected on so many of, of his arguments so many different times and has shown that he just does not care to actually correct himself and utilize even new arguments. I mean, he's he's been doing the same claims since before he went to jail for yeah. the first time. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't think for Kent, it's about being correct. In fact, I think. For a lot of young earth creationists that are here on the internet, at least for many of them, it's not about being correct. It's simply about looking like you have the illusion of an answer or that you can propose the illusion of a problem. And when you correct Kent, he simply will just, you know, let's say you sit down with him, you explain, you know, population growth rates or pop gen, anything with regard to that. You say, look, Kent, you're not taking any of this into account. And for whatever reason, you're taking it back to 4.5 to 4.8 billion years thinking that what humans were walking around then, right? That you yeah. know, they're not taking any of this uh, very seriously at all. And you could explain all of that to him and you would be right. And then he would say, but you seriously believe you're related to a pine tree? You would yeah. fall back immediately on his next little, on his yeah. next little catchphrase because yeah. he doesn't so, care.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so... My whenever I make any content about Kent Hovind, I'm always very careful to make sure I refer to him as refer to him as Mr. Hovind. So oh, yeah. I will not refer to him as Dr. Anything, right? Because there are He's people there are people like you that have worked hard to get a doctorate. Forrest Falke, exactly the same thing, you know, and anyone else that has a doctorate. And then you've got somebody like him who spends a couple of weeks in a dusty old shack in the desert and he's suddenly Dr. Kent Hovind.
1: Well, look, if you want to, if you really want a piece of paper that says you're a doctor, like you you can just pay for one from Patriot University where Kent graduated from. Yeah. Uh, the true test here is to actually see, okay, well, well, what dissertation did he put forward? And there are plenty of opportunities to hear folks online on here on YouTube read Kent Hovind's dissertation, which, yeah. by the way... His dissertation starts out with the sentence, Hello, my name is Kent Hovind. Yeah. He introduces himself in the work, which, yeah. I mean, this is this is middle school level essay writing. Yeah. Right? Kent Hovind is not a doctor. I, anyone who would call Kent Hovind doctor, um, in my opinion, is simply kind of sucking up to him so you can utilize his star power. Yeah, um, like, like, like Matt I mean, Powell does
0: him, because Matt always calls him Dr. Hovind. And it sticks in oh, my yeah. throat to just say it because he's no more a doctor than I am, you know. I, so, I, so, so for you that is, you know, does that oh a- anger you or?
1: Well, I'm, I'm not. I'm in training, uh, in, in PhD program training right yeah. now. So I'm not a doctor yet. Um, no. I wish I was. I have my master's in research. I wish I was a doctor. That would be incredible. I'll be there soon, hopefully. Yeah. Um, once I'm my dissertation which will be exposed and subject to peer review um, and heavy criticism that i will then have to defend in front of other current doctors which is something that kent has never done so yeah i mean i i find it irritating but only to the extent that that you know i feel really sorry for people who buy into what kent is saying i mean there are people out there who really are duped into believing that kent is on the same level as, you know, folks who publish in, in plus one or nature or, you know, any of these lower scale of science, whatever. Um, and he's, you know, I, it's no surprise then that they don't trust science or scientists given Kent is wrong and doesn't know very much at all about anything that he tends to talk about. And I can't speak to theology stuff. Um, but you know, when I've, I debated Kent Hovind once uh, here on the internet. <laughs> it is immortalized <laughs> on, the, on the web. Yeah. Um. But Kent Kent does not know very much about evolution, and I know that that's usually like a fallback. Uh, the creationists like to interpret that as like a fallback, like oh, creationists actually do know about evolution, and people who are in conventional science just say we don't know about it as sort of a, a rescue device. Yeah. But like Kent knows more about evolution than than most middle school students here in yeah. the united states he, he doesn't understand I, I doubt he could name the four mechanisms of it i mean i bet if you were like ken what is a mechanism of evolution he, he wouldn't know what to say yeah uh, and this is something i teach freshmen um you know freshmen in uh in college here at the university where i live so yeah it's frustrating but it's also kind of Embarrassing and yeah. kind of pathetic, yeah. and sits up there. You can almost take joy in that and be like, "Look, you know, you're only embarrassing yourself." It's easy to find out if someone actually has a doctorate, yeah, um, and ten people.
0: Yeah. So, so do do you think though that when he speaks, because he's so well rehearsed, because he's been doing it for so many years? Obviously, I don't mean people like you, people that are highly educated. I mean the average person on the street, the lay person. Do you think that's part of why he's able to convince them? One, because He calls himself doctor and two, because he's he's quite articulate when he when he speaks about what he's the fact that he's wrong to him is completely irrelevant. And I would imagine to the people that buy into his nonsense, it's it's completely irrelevant to them as well. So do you think that's part of the problem with him that he's got such a big following?
1: You're absolutely right. Yeah, Kent is charismatic, and honestly, yeah. he can be kind of funny sometimes. I mean, I usually when I laugh at Kent, it's because he, he said something absurd. But every now and again, he'll he'll hit you with one of those classic dad jokes, and you're kind of like, okay, like I can see why people can buy into Kent Hovind if you don't know about any of this stuff. You're right. He is well rehearsed. And he does yeah. say that he's a doctor. He claims that he owns a science center. And, you know, he'll, he'll come out and say, I've had over 100 debates on this, on this subject. And, you know, he says, I've got a, you know, a 40,000 slide PowerPoint presentation. I'll talk about all this, you know, faux credentials in order to bolster the charade. And if you're you know poorly educated as a person right maybe you didn't graduate high school because you were in an area that didn't have access to that kind of education or you know you're just i guess under underprivileged in that aspect you can fall into that trap by no fault of your own really um yeah i mean it's, over in ventureland i'm not fully convinced that these people even have access to like the internet uh outside of passing through kent yeah they're completely isolated from anything other than what Doctor uh you know, force feeds them in, in yeah. Whole seminar.
0: Yeah, because <laughs> I, because I, I've always said, and I, you know, I, I think it's a fair point for me to to make, you know, because I'm I'm, I'm only self deprecating myself. I've always thought that I'm <clears throat> I'm not stupid, but I'm not as highly educated as I would have liked to have been, mainly because I was just too lazy and uninterested when I was in school. Everything I find interesting now, you know, like the, the things I make videos about, the science based around it, I wish I knew more about, but I was just too lazy and too interested in girls and messing around with my friends to, to learn. But I've always said that I'm kind of... I. If, if there was a line that people like me walked along and to the left was falling down sort of a conspiracy or... You know, a, a religious cult sort of path, and then to the right is the side I'm on. The the right side. I all I often think how many how many other people are there that are very similar to me in their education level and you know their beliefs and everything that have gone the wrong way because they couldn't be bothered to kind of look this this sort of information up to 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 verify it or. Debunk it or whatever it may be. So, you know, I can see why people fall for somebody like Kent.
1: Yeah, and I mean, gosh, don't sell yourself short. I think that you know, being being self in a lot of this stuff. There's a massive amount of merit to that, and you can do a whole lot of self-teaching with the advent of the internet. That's one hundred percent. Yeah,
0: cool. yeah,
1: yeah. Um, I, I would never decry that. Uh, the problem is that that. Go, that road goes both ways, right? I mean, because on one hand, you can teach yourself, but you can also know when you're wrong. And there's folks like Kent out there and others um, who who have the ability to double-check themselves, who have the ability to see whether or not their claims are bolstered by uh, empirical literature. And they don't. They don't bother. Um, no. Sometimes it's because they're lazy, and sometimes it's because they don't care. And in the yeah. case of Kent and, and Matt, I think it's because they don't care. I,
0: yeah.
1: I really feel strongly that... For them, this is a grift, um, and, that, and this is simply because I don't think Kent is stupid. A lot of people you know are like, "Yeah, Kent Hovind is a moron," and you would—that's <laughs> not unfair to kind of deduce given the things that he says. Yeah. But when I was preparing to debate him, I watched. Oh gosh. I consumed so much kedhoven content i probably watched every debate that is available online that he was involved in and you really start to see a pattern you know this guy's got his spiel he's got things that he said he says them he doesn't change them like you said it's a script yeah um and he knows what works and he knows what kind of uh rhetoric is going to at least keep the current flock by his side i mean yeah I'll give you an example. When I was debating him, one thing that I like to utilize a lot as support for human evolution, which is, you know, what I really like, uh, is this fact that, of course, human beings are 98.8% similar genomically when you're comparing the genomes uh, to to panins, to chimpanzees and bonobos. Uh, And this number goes down to 96% when we're including indels, uh, which is like insertions and deletions is a full scale comparison of two genomes. And the really cool thing about comparative genomics in that sense is that we use comparative genomics every single day in our court systems here in the United States in the form of paternity tests. It's the same thing. In fact, paternity tests are actually dumbed down versions of full genomic comparisons that we do between organisms. You know, for reference, 98.8 percent or 96%, whether we're, you know, scaling it with or without indels, this is more than, this is more similar than rats are to mice, uh, more similar than how rats are to tigers. It's very, very similar and suggests a very recent divergence. So when I was debating Ken, you know, that's what I said. I said, okay, Ken, you know, you, you got your biblical kinds, which is a classic young earth creationist ism. Uh, and a lot of people say, you know, even young earth creationists, they don't know what kinds are. They don't have a definition for them. I yeah. take the opposite stance. I think they know exactly what a kind is. It's whatever they need it to be in that ex- in that exact moment, yep. which is why kinds will lump rats with mice, but um, kinds won't lump humans with chimps because it's not about any empirical standardized measurement. It's about, mm, this is kind of what I feel like a kind looks like. So yeah. Ken and I are debating. We're going back and forth. The first thing I say is I say, Ken, you accept paternity test work. Yes or no? Yes, he accepts paternity tests. Okay, how come you don't accept humans are related to chimps then? Given it's the same exact process, except enormously more um, more uh, coverage. It's it's more robust because we're actually comparing more of the genomes uh, than a paternity test, where we're only comparing highly variable segments. Uh, he says, uh, he says, well, I you these are these are two completely different things. As I say no, Kent. What, where is the line drawn and why do you draw it there? You accept that paternity tests make humans related to their parents. Why does it work between species? You accept that it links lions and tigers. You accept that it links rats and mice. Why does it work for humans and chips? Ah uh, Well, what you really think are related to a pine tree? I try again, third time. I asked Kent the same questions four times where is the line drawn and why is it drawn there? Why does comparative genomics work for things that you think are related, but it's not standardized and, and it doesn't work for humans and, and other primates? And finally, the fourth time I asked the question, he goes, well, consider the movie The Green Mile. And this guy starts talking about the, the film, the Stephen King film, yeah. The Green Mile, how john Coffey. it looked like in the film the green mile it looked like he killed these two kids when in reality he didn't actually kill them and, and what that effectively said to me is yeah i realize that the evidence points to humans and and other apes being very closely related um but i think that there's evidence against it and we just don't know about it yet and yeah. i'm sorry Karen, that's not an answer and yeah. so finally i said look you don't, don't have an answer let's move on um So it doesn't matter how many times you sit down and you correct Kent. It doesn't matter how you show him the evidence. It doesn't matter, you know, that this is all freely available to him online. In many cases, he just makes money doing what he does. And and I think that that's the long and short of it.
0: I think that's a really big part of it as well. And again, I've said this so many times, you know, I look at flat earthers, conspiracy theorists, young earth creationists, and they've all got one thing in common when they get to the sort of the higher levels of whatever it is they believe in, and that is that it will be very difficult to ever get any of them to change their mind publicly, or even better, admit that they've either been wrong through a lack of understanding, or they were being just deliberately disingenuous for so many years, because you'd essentially be cutting off a a major source of their income, so... Somebody like Kent Hovind and many of the conspiracy theorists I look at. Mark Sargent is is another good example from from the flat Earth community. They're making so much money by telling blatant lies. Why are they going to change? It makes no difference yeah. what you say. You know, with with Kent Hovind, he's a perfect example of it because the the example you just give. Reminds me of he debated um, conspiracy cats. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that channel. Oh, yeah, and
1: I wasn't prepared for that.
0: There we are. So you, so even, so you know that that's what I was going to bring up. When he realised he could no longer manipulate his way around the argument or divert away from it, he just had to put his hands up and say, "I wasn't prepared for that." So, but, but you're yeah. a, you're a doctor, Kent, and you specialise in this area. How can you possibly not be? prepared i dare say erica in your area of expertise there would be very few questions anybody could throw at you that you would say i i've got no idea i can't answer that because you've been studying this for so many years i would guess you've pretty much got most of it covered just from memory
1: yeah i would at least be able to give you the basics of it right like okay for instance um i'm not i'm not Focused, I'm more morphologic, right, when it comes to the human evolution side. So I could give you the anatomical details and of, of how you know these hominins are changing morphologically through geologic time from the Miocene apes 20 million years ago to now. But if you wanted to talk about the intricacies of, of modern and archaic admixture of, of genes between, say, Neanderthals and humans, or Denisovans and humans. I could tell you a lot about that, but I'm not going to be as, as in depth as someone who is trying to, is who's focusing their dissertation, for instance, on that, yeah. right? The relevant literature that I've been exposed to is very heavy on the, um, anatomy and physiology, um, morphology side of things form and function, things like that. Uh, but Kent couldn't tell you what an allele is. I guarantee you, he does not know how natural selection works or what fitness is, or, I mean, this is, this is a guy that, <laughs> this is a guy that probably couldn't pronounce australopithecus if we're being quite frank and you know, he's betrayed this lack of understanding in conversation after conversation with person after person, which leads me to believe, and yet he doesn't change it, which leads me to believe he's not worried about being embarrassed about mispronouncing things or no. not knowing the definitions of things. He doesn't care about that. He cares about the attention and he cares about the adoration of the people who already believe him and he cares about the money, yeah. which leads me to believe that he's something of, I mean, perhaps even a megalomaniac. And and this is... A little bit of armchair psychology, obviously, and I'm certainly not qualified to diagnose Kent Hovitt. I wouldn't even know where to begin. The, no. <laughs> the therapist who gets Kent on their docket has their has their work cut out for them. But you can just look at how you know his own family reacts to him. His multiple wives all seem to come away from the marriage talking about how uh, narcissistic and controlling he is. His own son, who is also a Young Earth creationist, wants nothing to do with the guy. Yeah. I mean, it's very clear that there's more at play here than than just the grift. Although I think the grift is a large part, but the very last thing on Kent Hovind's mind is being right about science. Yeah. In my opinion, I, I don't. And I think there's there's more than just him who kind of who kind of follow that credo here online. There's a sort of second generation of Hovindites who are going to be helmed probably by Matt Powell here in the next generation, yeah. if and when Kent you know eventually passes on to young earth creationist heaven, um, you know, there's going to be a whole next gen of these guys wandering around. And yeah. they're a little bit better, um, better suited, although Matt Powell just very recently, you know, had a video in the past, whatever, 365 days, within the past year, where he was proposing that evolution proposes that a chicken's legs used to be a T-Rex's arms. And that, you know, I mean, he doesn't even know tetrapod morphology enough to understand what it is he's debunking. Um, which is completely the opposite of how science operates, right? If you want to debunk someone's hypothesis or, or poke holes in their model, you know, you have to know what it is you're arguing against inside and out before you can even begin to take it apart and decide, you know, what it is that is, is actually wrong with the hypothesis. Then you write it up after you've experimented to show that the data actually supports you and then you expose it to peer review. So you you expose it to other experts within the field who are going to be able to say, hey, you know, you got this part wrong or you mischaracterized their model or you didn't do the right kind of experiment to justify the claims that you're making. But for Kent and Matt, it is just enough to sit there and cross their arms over their Hawaiian t-shirt and whack a SpongeBob model with a plastic mallet and say you really think you came from a rock um which is of course a straw man of the idea in the first place but it it just i mean how many times can i say it doesn't matter to them
0: yeah exactly the 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 whole point is and we we could talk about just that one thing probably for the entire two hours but and i've again i i know i repeat myself but i'm an old man there is so much of what they do that is just repetition Of exactly the same thing they'll say the same sentence in 15 different ways because they've got they've got a very well rehearsed script and they just do not deviate from it hence kent's i wasn't prepared for that because he's probably afraid to deviate away from his preferred talking points
1: yeah and you're right because the thing is is it's it's all incredulity if you actually take apart kent's argument what is it that kent is saying and it it's this little gem is of course found in his his go-to phrase, which is you really believe whatever the hell he's saying next. You you, you really believe you're related to a pine cone, or yeah. you know, pine trees and whales are related, or pineapples and mosquitoes are related, or that you came from a rock. It's all one big incredulous argument. It's an argument from incredulity, which fits quite nicely with our hypothesis that Kent doesn't actually know what he's talking about. Because yeah. every argument that he makes is I can't conceive of a world where that could actually happen. Therefore, it's stupid and dumb. Um, So he doesn't understand it. He doesn't care to understand it. And I think that therein lies the secret of Kent's Kent's sort of rhetoric here, his, his strategy, which is as long as he doesn't know what the hell he's talking about, he can continue to justify to himself and others this argument from incredulity. Because yeah. if he were to actually sit down and find out what it is that people are arguing, then he would actually have to find new things to argue about it. He can no longer yeah. say, I just can't believe it because he knows how it works. Yeah. And then he has to say, okay, well, maybe I have a problem with natural selection or maybe yeah. I have a problem with the definition of fitness or whatever. Um, He's like the world's laziest creationist in that way. You know, yeah. These answers in Genesis will sometimes have a specific argument to make, yeah. and you can kind of tease that apart. What do you do with that? I just don't believe you. You know, what, what do you yeah. do with that?
0: This, this, this is why I like making responses to Kent Hovind because I, I've never referred to myself as a debunking channel, right? I, because for, for for all the reasons I said earlier on, I just don't have the 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 knowledge to hand which is a big part of the reason why I've said I will never, ever debate anybody, because without looking this information up, I don't know if I'm right or wrong. So if I'm going to try and debate somebody, you know, I think I know enough to get by, but I could quite easily make myself look like a a complete idiot. And I, I refuse to do that because then I'm lumping myself into the same box as people like Kent Hovind and Matt Powell and the flat earthers that I make fun of and, you know, whatever else it may be but um well
1: don't sell yourself short you know i mean i i you know again i want to emphasize like you don't have to have a degree to talk about a lot of this stuff no the degree helps because it it lets you into the minutia of of the methods right you actually learn how to carry out the experiments yourself um and usually you end up publishing on them which means you as i said earlier you have to actually know a lot about what you're talking about but man i i you probably you're probably underestimating yourself a lot here yeah i bet you know plenty enough to to go toe to toe with Kent Hovind or some flat earthers, yeah, I know, yeah, I
0: wouldn't yeah. Recommend yeah. I, I, another thing is as well, and I, I say this with the greatest of respect for anybody that debates. And I, I know you said you've debated Kent Hovind, but t- to me, it always seems quite pointless because I've watched hundreds of debates, young earth creationist, to debate, flat earth debates, all sorts of different things, and the one common theme is that the Flat Earther or the Kent Hovind or Matt Powell, they never seem to lose. They, they win no. every debate they ever participate in.
1: Yeah, I mean, you're, you're totally right. Look, I love debating. I've done a lot of debating on YouTube, less these days just because there's not very many Christians left to debate um, who, who actually want to debate me uh, for whatever reason. But the the thing about debates is it's all about optics, right? It's, can you show that you know the material better than the other person? Uh, usually that's how it's decided who won. Is it, did you look better? Was there mm. ever a point in the debate where someone asked you a question or opposed a point and you paused too long and it was clear that you yeah. didn't have a response? Yeah. Uh, but on the other hand, when you're debating someone like Kent Hovind, Kent is not even under the impression that he can lose. I no. mean. You go to any of these Kent Hovind debates, he just gets annihilated in the comment section because everyone who's watching the debate not on Kent's channel knows that Kent is a a grifter. Everyone is saying, look, obviously Kent loses again. Why do we keep giving Kent attention? Why do we keep talking to him when he never changes his mind or changes his arguments, even though he's been shown he's incorrect on many of them time and time again? But then you go over to Kent Hovind's comment section because he's usually simulcasting it. And his comment section is a very different story. So, you know. I think you're right, Kent Kent just doesn't think he can lose. And yeah. a lot of, it's the same with flat earthers, you're Nathan Thompson's, I mean, all Nathan Thompson has to do is sit down and put a plastic globe on his head with, you know, sunglasses, hot glued yeah. in front of it and look right around like he like won. It's like playing chess with a pigeon,
0: right? Yeah. The
1: pigeon will shoot on the board and knock all the pieces over and stride around like it won the chess game, even though it doesn't even know how to play chess. Yeah.
0: But Nathan That's Thompson's a really good example because he does exactly the same thing as Kent Hovind. He always refers back to the second law of thermodynamics. Um, I certainly don't know what that is without reading about it, but he, I think, has read about it, and he's learned it parrot fashion. So whenever there's anything he struggles to answer, he always reverts back to the second law of thermodynamics because he thinks that that, avoids him having to answer any other question about the shape of the earth so in the same way kent always sticks to the same talking points every debate i've ever seen nathan thompson participate in he tries to do exactly the same thing he's got a couple of things that he sounds like he knows a lot about and he likes to only talk about those things
1: yeah and, and and that's it right i mean they're sitting there with with a bunch of buttons and you know which which catchphrase will i use as a response to this argument um and and you know the good news about this is like this is why kent is the bottom of the barrel even in young earth creationists i mean the big org (laughs) like aig and icr obviously they are wrong uh, for many reasons that i've covered extensively on my channel and i think that sometimes they're dishonest too that's my opinion but kent they won't interact with Kent, right? Like, he's, he's straight up the slime at the bottom of the barrel that none of the other young Earth creationists want to touch. And for more reasons than that he was a convicted domestic abuser, which I can say that that's not slander or libel because he was actually convicted of yep, it.
0: exactly. Um,
1: but, but, you know, the, the thing is, is that Kent isn't, again, he's not arguing because he wants to win or because he really, I don't think, think that he's right. Like, I don't even think he thinks he's right on some of this stuff. Uh, for him, it's a rhetoric game, and if he can show up on Modern Day Debate, or he can show, which I don't, I think he's actually banned from Modern Day Debate. But if he can show up on these platforms and strut his stuff and get money through super chats and simulcast it to his own stream and you know, or his own channel and stroke his own ego, yeah. then it's a successful day for him. He won. Yeah. Um, at least in his own mind, he did. Because that's not about the conversation. It's about having, you know, a punching bag that he can stand in front of and shout the same nonsense at it. Everybody in his room claps like seals. Yeah. Because And again, I don't want to characterize the people who believe Kent Hovind as idiots, because I don't think that because you believe Kent Hovind, you're necessarily an idiot. I think a lot of times you've just never been exposed to, you know, a lot of the material that shows that kent is wrong scientifically but i think that it, there's also a lot of dissonance going on there yeah you know, these people have been raised to believe a certain thing and they think that if they even glance uh, give a cursory look uh at opposing you know data or or thoughts even in the form of a middle school textbook that that puts their eternity in jeopardy yeah argue with that. there's no, no arguing with that
0: yeah um, yeah it's all controlled through fear are... isn't it and, and that applies i think to yeah religion in general there's always that that veiled threat you know if you if you don't say your prayers or if you don't be nice to mary across the road then you'll go to hell you know it's (laughs) why do you need to threaten somebody to get them to comply with what you would like them to be doing because if you have to rule somebody through fear you're not ruling anybody because eventually you know unless they're particularly weak-minded They will see it for what it is, which is essentially, do this or else.
1: Well, and I'll tell you, you know, to to kind of round off the thoughts about like, okay, are debates useless or not? In the sense of the evolution creation conversation, um, debates have exactly one use. And it's, it's reaching out to the fence sitters. Because there is a very small sliver of people who watch creation evolution debates in this year of our lord 2022 on the internet who are trying to decide now there's very few of them compared to the people who have already decided their creationists thankfully that is a shrinking slice of the pie and the people who accept conventional science for what it is many of whom are religious you know i mean i'm not an anti-theist channel i'm an anti pseudoscience channel so it's like if you're a religious you know you're a science-confirming religious person fine i don't care quite frankly um But there's that sliver in the middle that that's who those debates are for. At least when I debated, that's who the debates were for. And I would occasionally get an email from someone who said, look, I was sitting on the fence and what you said here resonated with me. And that's what makes it worth it. That's what makes it worth it to suffer through Kent Hovind saying nonsense thing after nonsense thing, because this is the only exposure that most of his followers are getting to the opposite point of view. Yeah, that's all they ever see of it. the That Kent pretends to debate. Uh, And every now and again, you might catch someone on a good day where they're kind of thinking a little bit. Um, And I guess that's the point of it all if you really do want to engage in debates. But the dangerous thing is a lot of people who debate Kent Hovind think Kent is an idiot. I can handle whatever Kent says and then they go and they're unprepared for the kind of rhetoric that Kent throws at them, and then it yeah. ends up making Kent look good and everybody else looks good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so my advice to people who engage with Kent is, like you have done, make sure that you do your research and you know what you're gonna say.
0: Yeah, yeah, which I do, and I'm always very, very careful because as I said earlier, mm. I don't wanna get tarred with the same brush as somebody like Kent Hovind. Oh, look at Creaky, he thinks he's smart, but he, he, just, he doesn't know what he's talking about. You know i I don't want to fall into that trap, but anyway, Kent Hovind is he seems to be taking up an awful lot of time on on this not just this episode on every episode, right because whenever oh. you speak to somebody at Young Earth Creation about Young Earth creation, I think he's so prevalent in that sort of corner of the internet that you can't help but talk about him, but anyway you <laughs> so from the description on your channel. You make videos about primates. I've I've seen some of your videos. Videos, obviously, paleontology, anthropology, evolutionary biology, which I'm starting to get r- really, really interested in. So, I'm guessing from your qualifications, um, your bi- biology qualifications, it's all sort of based around primates and like w- what sort of sparked your interest? You know, as as a as a younger not not that you're old now. I've I've got my slip I've got my slippers on and my pipe is around somewhere. But what kind of led you down that path? What was it that you found particularly interesting and interesting enough to devote so many years of your life to learning about that?
2: Yeah, well,
1: um, oh yeah, um, that's a, a something of a long story. But to make a long story short, I had the pleasure. I was planning on being a veterinarian, hence my minor is in pre-professional animal science. That pre-professional is like that's telling you that it's a pre-vet track. Um, And it served me well in a lot of ways because I had to take a lot of chemistry and I had to take a lot of physics. And so it gave me a nice, broad look at how other sciences operate, sort of harder sciences operate, I guess I should say. Um, But my sophomore year, the summer before my sophomore year of college, I had the pleasure of going on a trip to Tanzania uh, titled Ecology and Evolution uh, in, in East Africa. And this included things like uh, visiting Olduvai Gorge, which is the site of some incredible hominin fossils, including the likes of Homo habilis and some members of the genus Paranthropus. So a lot of these really core to our understanding of the of the human story, of the human lineage. Uh, but that actually wasn't it for me. It was later in the trip where we, we stopped at uh, Gombe Stream National Park. Gambe Stream is really cool. It's where Jane Goodall did all her work. She follows all these chimpanzees, you know, there, the G group is, is who she mostly followed. And she pioneered primatology. She was the first person who saw chimpanzees use tools. And of course, many people know this story, but... Before that, it was man the toolmaker. What separated humans from all other primates and all other animals was this ability to use tools. And when she saw chimpanzees um, termite fishing with, with blades of grass and with sticks and pulling them out and eating the termites, and then eventually cracking open nuts with rocks that they picked and chose and carried around and taught their own offspring to use, um, you know, Richard Leakey famously said, uh, you know, we either have to redefine man, we have to redefine tool, or we have to accept chimpanzees as men, uh, because they use tools just like we did. Anyways, I digress. So I I got this opportunity to go to Gombe Stream National Park, and uh, we were following around a group of young females, and one of the females had an infant. And I wanted to get closer to get a cooler look at at how these chimpanzees were interacting, because they were just foraging and doing things like that. They're a fish infusion society. So Um, during the afternoon, the group will split and everyone will go and forage and do their own thing. And then during the evenings, the chimpanzees come back together and, and, you know, we'll socialize and groom each other and then go up and make their nests in the trees. And so I kind of split from the rest of my group and I was trying to get a good look at these, at these chimpanzees. And, you know, I got really close, like within a meter, uh, maybe, maybe a meter and a half of, of one of the females with the, with an infant. And, you know, she looked up and she noticed me and we, we made eye contact and she made this low bark sound at me that. It was so funky because we we're making eye contact at the time. And it was almost an expression of like, what the hell do you think you're doing here? Back yeah. off. Like, I'm foraging and and you don't really belong here. And I know that's anthropos- anthropomorphic and it feels really silly. Um, but it's not like, I love dogs. I've got three of them. But it's not like looking at your dog when you make eye contact with the tea no. in the wild. It's like <laughs> looking into the eye of another being if that makes sense like she clearly the gears were clearly turning and she saw me as an interloper not a danger but as someone who was too close and needed to back the hell up uh, so i did i backed up my tree with my back was up like, against a tree and i just kept watching her and it was the coolest experience you know one of the coolest experiences of my life that you're know, getting to to witness and kind of have a moment with wild yeah. chimpanzees. um and all of a sudden i was struck by the nature of being human and what it means to be human. And we, we like to consider ourselves apart from nature because we live in our homes and we live in cities. Uh, but it of human's tenure on earth, and when I say human, I mean anatomically modern human, which we've been here for about 300,000 years. We've only been apart from nature for maybe 6,000 of those. Um, so we are irrevocably a part of nature. We are forged by it and we belong to it ultimately. And so it, it was very strange to be back in, you know, the cradle of humanity where work this all kind of began in East Africa, 7 million years ago, uh, I guess, central and East Africa, 7 million years ago. And, and it was kind of like an emotional moment for me. And I decided that I wanted to study uh, primates, our closest living relatives within the primate order, because we, of course, ourselves are primates. Yeah. Uh, but I wanted to study that. And then ultimately how we got to be here, what, what make, what, if anything, makes humans special? Uh, and I actually like to focus more on what makes us not so special, because yeah. there's there's indeed very little uh, when you boil it down that makes humans truly separate from other animals. And more importantly, every animal has things that makes it separate from other animals, uh, such as yeah. the nature of having your own niche.
0: Yeah, yeah. So have you have you got like a like a favorite primate? What is it the chimpanzee? Because that's what led you into the the field you're in now
1: no way man guts a gibbon gibbons are my favorite yeah <laughs> gibbons are my favorite primate they are easily and here's the reason why one they're apes but they are lesser apes so they're still in the ape club but they're lesser apes two they're adorable gibbons are the cutest primate this i'm convinced of this Three, they have one of the coolest social systems. Like humans, they pair bond. So they live in nuclear families with with a male and a female and their respective offspring. But just because they live in these little nuclear families doesn't mean that they're not mean as hell because males and females both possess, and I'll show you this because this is why I have the skulls. Males and females both have these big scimitar-like fangs or canine teeth that they use to beat the crap out of any interloping male and female that comes into their territory. Um, And every morning they climb up to the tallest tree in their territory and they duet, they sing with each other. They do this complicated duet, bounce off of one another um, to let everybody who's in the vicinity know to back off. Um, This is this is our zone. And gibbons are also hilarious. They're funny primates. When they come down from the trees, their arms are literally too long. Than to, e- to, yeah. to knuckle walk. I've I've actually
0: seen there's um I haven't seen them in the wild obviously, but I've seen gibbons in uh like a safari park and they've got a huge yeah. enclosure and they are always twenty miles up in the air up in the the biggest tree you. and screaming and swaying the trees and then yeah. they fly down the tree and like you say their arms it looks as if they stole them off a much bigger primate yeah. and. You know they they are they funny looking like, but yeah but they're fascinating to watch
1: i love them i think they're the, they're the coolest extant primate uh just because they're so weird they're so different from any other primate you know and they can zoom around they're they're brachiators so that means they they do they move around in the trees like via monkey bars right. and um they can go like 35 miles per hour up in the trees oh, dear. they're so fast yeah um, and they can they can take these massive falls. I mean, they'll you'll see them zooming around in like Planet Earth or something like that, and they'll they'll go from one tree to another, and they'll leap, and they're flying through the air, and then they sc- sc- smash into the next yeah. tree, and they're flying around.
0: And they just they're get awesome. up and carry on. So have you got have you got a second favorite extant primate, or are you so obsessed with gibbons that uh, you don't you don't even think about it?
1: Um, bonobos are weird because they're apes too Uh, of course I'm biased to apes because I myself am an ape a gentle and modern ape at that Um, but I like I like bonobos because they are also very weird bonobos are the closest relative to chimps so they're panins. so bonobos are called pantroglodytes they look like chimps they're a little bit smaller than chimps they have pink lips like humans do uh and they also have longer head hair than they do uh hair on the rest of their bodies also like humans do because that's uh-huh. something that's unique to us is our More, head hair most is really humans <laughs> most humans yeah and of course I'm, I'm kind of rocking an amish look right now my hair is like <laughs> but bonobos are weird because they are sex obsessed so bonobos they mediate most of their conflict not all of their conflict but most of it with sex males with males males with females females with females um, in fact, the, the joke that friends of all uh, famous primatologist who studies bonobos likes to make is that if you throw a cardboard box into a bonobo enclosure, they get so excited and they all have to have a big orgy before they even investigate the cardboard box. They just get so excited, hyped. They're also matriarchal, so they're run by a female. Um, and in fact, coalitions of females will bully males, uh, sometimes in very horrific ways, they'll bite fingers off and stuff like that. Uh, to get what they want, which is a stark difference from chimpanzees, which are very patriarchal. There's an alpha male in charge and coalitions of males uh go and, and war with other groups of of males, which is very interesting because, you know, they're doing war just like people do war. But Bonomos are was, very I was gonna ask
0: thing. about that. Yeah. That was gonna oh, be yeah. a question because I I'm I think I read somewhere, I may have seen it in a documentary or something, that chimpanzees will fight almost for fun in the same way as human beings will we'll fight for recreation or, or for sport? Is, is that sort of a proven this is fact? True. Um, it is true.
1: Yeah, this is, this is true. They wage war. Um, if war, if, if the definition of war is you have two groups and they occupy different territories and one group will, in a coordinated fashion, take a group of it and go to the other territory and systematically kill the others in the other group, specifically only the males, in order to force the females to immigrate into your own troop, um and that's war that's exactly how we do war and have done war for millennia uh in human societies and that's precisely what they do Uh, and they will attack and and kill in ways that are systematically cruel so chimpanzees much like humans uh they'll go for the soft bits they bite off fingers they bite lips they bite ears they rip off testicles they're very mean when they fight um, and they do so with these coordinated groups of males and occasionally females where they'll, they'll get up early in the morning and they will patrol their own territory. And if they find interlopers, they tear them to pieces. Yeah. Um, but interestingly enough, just like humans too, they have exceptional amounts of empathy within their own group. So they will care for one another. They grieve and mourn when members of their troop dies. Uh, There have been cases in zoos where chimpanzees who can't swim will attempt to cross a moat if one of their buddies ends up in the water and is drowning. You know, they'll they'll try to get into the water and save them. So just like humans, incredible amount of empathy for what they consider their in-group and just an absolute potential for cruelty for what is considered the out-group. So what do you, what do you do with that? Yeah. So, so how,
0: how crazy do you think it is, you know, where people keep chimpanzees as pets and because the potential for a violent attack is obviously enormous, isn't it?
1: A chimp is probably the the most dangerous pet that you could have. Um, Because, you know, they're not like a tiger where they kill you. They just bite you in the throat. They're not like an elephant where if they kill you, they accidentally trample you or stomp you to death or like a hippo or one, you know, crunch of their maw and you're dead. Uh, a chimpanzee, as we've seen from many uh, unfortunate cases where people have kept chimpanzees as pets, uh, will, like I said earlier, systematically and you know methodically take you to pieces. Um, and they're, you know, I mean, someone put it to me once: having a pet chimpanzee is like having a toddler that is five times stronger than you are. Yeah. So with temperament and and cognition of a toddler as well, but the cruelty of an adult. Yeah. Um, you don't want to, you don't want to have a pet chimpanzee, even if they consider you their in-group, chimpanzees will brawl with each other. You yeah. know what I mean? They fight, they scuffle, but having a fight with the chimpanzee, they think they might, they might even think they're not hurting you too badly, but they're breaking your ribs and, yeah. you know, breaking the skin and busting yeah. up your bones. Because humans, we're not built like chimps are. No. We're not, we don't have the muscle mass that they do.
0: Yeah, um, yeah
1: we
0: can I, I, elsewhere. Again, I I, I'm, I I can't remember if I read it or but it doesn't matter anyway. But um, and I'm not sure of the best way to articulate it either. But pound for pound, chimpanzees' levels of strength is um, I can't remember if it was five times more than a human being or ten times more. So if a, a, a six foot man can lift up two hundred pounds. If there was a six-foot chimpanzee, same build and everything as the six-foot man, he'd be able to pick up, you know, six, seven hundred pounds. Is is that badly it's, explained I mean, I but you... but correct?
1: Yeah, I don't know the exact numbers. I usually hear that a chimp is about three times as strong as an adult It man. may well have been um, three
0: times. I can't remember what I had for breakfast for this morning. So something I read <laughs> last year. I've got no chance, but I knew it was a thing.
1: Yeah. You don't want to scuffle with the chimp. I, I, no. you know, I, I I'm very much against primates as pets Yeah. Uh, for many reasons, but chimpanzees, I mean, you would have to be an abject moron to think that you can have a, a chimp as a pet and that that's going to yeah. go well for you.
0: Yeah. Because we, we know my, my wife and I, we know somebody who has, um, uh oh, it's a tiny, teeny weeny little monkey. She paid about $5,000 for it. Um,
1: Probably a Tamarin, Calatrician. Um, so I, I, I Tamarin. can't think but
0: she treats it like it's a child. It wears a nappy and it's got different cardigans and different hats. And she puts pajamas on it to put it to bed. And I just think it's complete. It's absolutely to die for cute. And oh, yeah. every there time you see are... it, you just want to squeeze it and just take it home with you. But I, I, I can't see the appeal in having um, a, tiny little monkey you know, tearing your house to pieces and scratching at your furniture and throwing tantrums when it can't get its own way.
1: There's no denying they're adorable. I mean, I think all monkeys are very cute, but to have them as a pet, I mean... There's some serious ethical issues there because they're so intelligent, right? I mean, you're you're this is not like a. I mean, dogs are certainly very smart, but dogs have also been co-evolving with humans. We domesticated them forty thousand years ago, yeah. Um, so they they are truly domesticated in the sense that we have kind of hijacked each other's bonding systems, right? Like you, you, when you make eye contact with your dog, it's a true fact. Um, you guys both release oxytocin, bonding hormone that is very maternal in nature. It's mm. fascinating stuff. Um, and we we pick up on each other's cues. I mean, dogs are actually better at chips than following hands at following hand signals because they they are they right. literally fine tuned for it um, by us and and us by them. We we can read dog expressions almost yeah. innately sometimes, yeah. Um, yeah. which is cool. But monkeys aren't like that. I mean, monkeys are wild animals and they are not. You know, you see them sometimes in like videos on Instagram and Instagram. They're like. They look like they're smiling and burying their teeth. They're anxious. A lot of times they don't, they're not super pleased to be in your house. Um, I don't know. It's, it's a difficult question. I mean, certainly, certainly it's less intense with Calatrician's New World monkeys. They're less cognitively inclined than some of the others. But I tend to be wary of any kind of wild animal as a pet. Just because they're not really built for that. You know, I mean, dogs and cats kind of a different
0: story, especially cats. Cats will come and go as they please. They yeah. kind of domesticate us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Right, so I'm going to jump into the green room now and let um, whoever's in there kind of join in the conversation. I'm just very quickly going to address the super chat. So, Erica, before I jump in there, so if you need to take what? two minutes, um, I don't know if you want to do it now, get yourself a drink or whatever you need to do, but I'm just going to look at the super chats and then see who's in the green room, <laughs> and then we will continue. So, because I'm streaming this from the second channel, I unfortunately I haven't set up the display comments properly, which is why I've not been displaying anyone's comments, and I, I don't know what's going on with it. So, all I can do is address the super chats as they are. I can't. Um, so, the first mm-hmm. one was from Ooh, Smarty Marty, and he said oh, first hell. super chat, and it was five pound. Um, this account is pending review. Super chat mm-hmm. at four ninety nine. I can't even read half of what he's written. But anyway, Um, and Christian G says, Erica's accent is hard to understand, but you're both great. Now, that's something I'd never thought I'd hear on this channel. But anyway, I'm going to I'm going to jump over to the green room and, and see who's joining us. Good evening, green room. It's only me.
2: On. Uh, I got next down in uh, oh, live next one. is down
0: in live one I will I should be paying more attention I will jump down there now and introduce Erica to the man with the smoothest voice on the internet I don't care what anyone says I'll speak to you soon Paul how's that is that better that is fan dabby dozy that is perfect fire
3: away um right so let me just go back to the screen um I've first of all I'm a big fan um love your love your stuff some of it goes way over my head because my brain <sighs> hasn't invo- evolved to uh, understand everything about genetics um and oh hang on i can't hear you guys i can't hear anything what's Nobody, going
0: on nobody's saying anything at the moment it may be that oh, okay <laughs>
3: no i'm seeing mouths moving on the um on the screen oh, same so no. time. as i'm watching the feed
0: oh delay. delayed um, there's a about a 40 second delay
3: mate. Mm -hmm. that's it of course yeah um on the shelf behind you you have i believe a smilodon skull is that correct
1: it's it's a smilodon i received it as a gift can you can you notice do you see what's wrong with it
3: um i would imagine it couldn't possibly open its mouth that far first of all
1: Mm, this this one smilodons actually have an incredible gape, so they they actually can open their jaws quite wide. But mine, I don't know if you can see this. Mine is a mine is an herbivore, an herbivorous smilodon with these big honking molars in the back.
3: Oh yeah, yeah, on the left hand side over there, or so on the right hand side of the jaw, you mean?
1: <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, you see these big bulky molars. And most smilodons, in you know, this again, this was a gift, so it's not super anatomically accurate so for one there's not enough teeth in the back he's only got three molars on the top and on the bottom this is not the feline dental formula Feline dental formula but um what you do what you can also notice is that these are like big fat grinding molars they're very bunodont. they almost look like they're popcorn teeth for like grinding up stuff more like ours actually um which is not at all if you folks at home look up a a picture of a smilodon skull you're going to see that those back teeth are and you know, got this nice carnassial shearing complex for slice something meat once they get it in their mouths. Um, so mine is not <laughs> anatomically accurate. But you're right, it is a smilodon, technically.
3: It's, it's really confusing trying to watch the video at the same time as the conversation. <laughs> yeah, the delay is it's, quite it's, significant, it makes, isn't it? it, it. Um, so now the smilodon, my understanding is, went extinct about 10,000 years ago. Is that right?
1: Um, poo, It might be... I, I, stragglers 10,000 years ago, I, I would imagine that the majority are going to actually go extinct quite a bit earlier than that. Um, but stragglers, yes.
3: Which in itself presents a problem because we, first off, you know, there's no mention of these wonderful beasts in the Bible. Um, as Mr. Hovind, uh, uh, sorry, as Hovind would say, I don't even say Mr. Hovind, I'll say just Hovind. <laughs> um, <sighs> When In your discussions with him, how does he, you know, cover the subject of all these beasts that aren't mentioned?
1: Yeah, so a lot of times young earth creationists like to appeal to uh, two specific references in the book of Job. Uh, they discuss the behemoth and the leviathan, and they suppose that these two mm-hmm. creatures that are mentioned in Job are actually dinosaurs. Um, one yep. They're not dinosaurs. Uh, theologically, that yep. doesn't mesh, given their description. Anatomically, it's very strange to me that you would propose that the behemoth is like a, a you know, a sauropod dinosaur and they never mention how long the neck is. Um, obviously, hmm. the leviathan breathes fire. So I don't I know of no dinosaurs that were capable of fire breathing. But I digress. So I think what yeah. folks like Kent well, would also
3: suppose... on that point, they they also no, please, completely please. misinterpret what's written about them. Um, They say, yeah. oh, its tail was like a cedar. No, it doesn't say that. Mm-hmm. It says moved like a cedar.
1: Exactly. Yeah, 100%. Which, what do cedars do in the wind? They shake. If you've ever seen an elephant or a hippopotamus's tail, they tend to do the same thing. <laughs> um, and some folks even think that that reference to the cedar tree is actually phallic in nature, that the tail isn't really the tail. It's, you know, the, the penis. <laughs> is kind of funny um to to think about but i i actually tend to take the position that the the behemoth and the leviathan the the behemoth excuse me and the leviathan are referenced references to these sort of uh primordial deities um of of chaos right so you've got the behemoth which is of course the god of the land uh, and you've got the leviathan which is the god of the sea um and then in some very very old uh, old texts that are accepted at least by Hebrew scholars to sort of the, the Jewish people, there's references to Ziz, which is the respective third deity that is, you know, controls the sky. It's kind of this bird like creature, almost like a rock, um, R O C rock. Uh, and mm-hmm. I think that there's a lot of support for that, given that, you know, the Leviathan actually has a name. It's called Rahab in some other sections of Genesis. And, you know, it's very similar to the other ancient Near Eastern texts, which discuss things like the behemoth and like the Leviathan and non-canon texts of the Bible discuss these guys more too, which is all fascinating. So, but, you know, if you really want to say they're real creatures, they certainly mesh more with other critters that we know of that did exist in that area of the world. Um, they're certainly not dinosaurs. Um, I would imagine that in the case of Smilodon and stuff like that, folks like Kent would just be like, well, they lived in different places which is okay, <laughs> but we know they didn't. We know that these guys had incredible ranges, right? Dinophilus, at the very least, is living in Africa, which is, should be able to make it north enough uh, to engage some of these guys, a massive leopard. So I don't know. I mean, I think it's a good question that you pose. You should ask Kent.
3: I don't think that would go well. Um, I, I don't I, think I, so either. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do leave quite a lot of comments on their videos. Um, I'm not sure they like them.
1: You're fighting the good fight. Um, I certainly hope you're reaching people.
3: I, yeah, I, like you say, it's the, it, the only people we can go after are the fence sitters. We cannot go after the the main core of these people because they're not going to budge.
1: Yeah. I, I tend to agree. Unfortunately,
0: it's like for the reasons I said earlier on. You know, uh, and it, it applies to all sorts of conspiracy theorists as well as young earth creationists. And it's money. If they are earning a substantial amount of of money saying what they say, there's going to be very little anybody can ever do to get them to change their stance because they'd basically be cutting their nose off, you know, to to spite their face. Mm. There's no upside for them. It just speaks to the level of dishonesty, doesn't it, really? Well, yeah, exactly. I'm not entirely convinced that Mark Sargent believes the earth is flat. I know he says he does. And he flies around the world appearing on TV shows saying that he does. But he's probably earning an awful lot of money saying he thinks the earth is flat. So why would he say anything else? And that can apply to so many, you know, so many different viewpoints that I that I look at on, on YouTube.
3: I think you're probably right about Mark Sargent.
0: Yeah, um, I, I think and, so. You
3: know, as as a representative of... Um, the um flurf community that um, show themselves <laughs> online, you got to say he's one of the least obnoxious in terms of like yeah, you true. don't want to have a conversation with. True.
0: Yeah, so Erica, I know I know you you don't look at flat earthers on your channel, but uh, what what are your thoughts on them? You know, do you, do you think that it's a combination of people who actually really do believe that the earth is flat because they don't understand why it can't be or do you think it's predominantly you know people like mark sargent and nathan thompson nathan oakley anthony riley um you know and then they've each got their own following so you've then got a a huge group of people running around screaming that the earth isn't the globe
1: yeah i mean so the flat earth thing that's really interesting i think that the psychology again i'm going to do my armchair psychology thing here um but i think that it's actually quite a bit different than the young earth creationists because a lot of times with young Earth creationism they kind of hitched their wagon in a theological sense so to them like we mentioned earlier you know there's you're not going to get through them because there is this threat of hell kind of looming for some of them and you know if you if you give up that portion of the of the bible what else do you have to give up but the flat earthers sometimes there's not even a religious angle so you almost have to wonder if if it's coming from a place of like we know something you don't know. You know we've got this nice community of, of folks that all have you know the 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 wool pulled from their eyes, and they see through big science and you know big globe head ism, and they've they've kind of sussed it out, uh, and they build their identity around that. And from that point, how could you ever expect them to to sort of see the light? I think. You know, you get a couple of guys who are who are upfront, who know that they can make the grift and who know that they can just believe flat Earth or push flat Earth and build a community around it of people who are loyal followers, who, who have staked a big portion of their identity in this idea of flat Earth. Um, and then it's almost sunk cost at that point. Right. Like, what, what what do they have to gain by accepting that the Earth is a globe? Nothing. It's, it's the same as what we talked about earlier. And you get these cults of personality that are impossible to break. Yeah. Um, so with the flat earthers, I feel like it's almost just it's cognitive dissonance plus not wanting to lose this very strange, but very tight knit community. Yeah. A lot of these guys are lonely, I think. Yeah. Uh, guys and gals you know, who, who they don't really have much going on. And this isn't of course always the case, but it can be. Um, and why why would they want to leave that behind?
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly. Right, thank you very much, Mr. Oh. Mister Next Pro. We've uh, we've got a couple waiting, so I'm going to jump in the call to it. It's been a pleasure okay. hearing your dulcet thank tones, you. as always. Okay, and see you guys soon, and
3: thank you very much.
0: No, thank you. Take Cheers, care. pal. Good evening, Pad. How are you doing, pal? How are you doing? Uh, overjoyed, as always, mate. You shouldn't need to ask. <laughs> I'm going to assume that your question is for Erica, because why I would know. it be for me?
4: <laughs> yep, sorry, everything is getting confuddled here because I had two sounds coming in. Oh <laughs> dear. Sorry about that. Um yeah, it could it look not as big a question as as um the last fella there, but I know there's a lot of conversation goes around with especially with flat earthers about um you know the dangers of flat earthers. And just because we're speaking obviously a lot about um Kent Hovind, um mm. I don't know, I suppose for both of you what what do you feel like is there any major dangers around people like kent like when we see people like matt coming out um i don't know do you see any kind of inherent danger to other people there
1: oh that's a really good question um i'll speak for myself here on this (laughs) there was a very interesting article posted on uh, icr the institute for creation research uh about Maybe seven or eight months into the recent pandemic and uh, the the article was imploring people uh, other creationists to uh, get vaccinated uh, imploring them saying you have to get this is this is a safe thing you really want to go ahead and do this Uh, it's only for your benefit. Uh, because very clearly, they were getting, um, you know, a lot of folks who were asking them to comment on on whether or not they should get vaccinated. And, and you know, these guys are, are, some of them are legitimate scientists. And we, at least myself and folks around me, were absolutely floored by this. Because it's kind of, you know, mess around, find out. They yeah. are constantly pushing science denial and mistrust of, of general <clears throat> conventional science. And then they're shocked when that actually reverberates and leads to distrust in conventional science. They couldn't believe it. They were like, why are so many creationists not getting vaccinated? Because you told them not to trust science. You told them that Mm -hmm. they're lying to you, you know, and you've been telling them that for decades and decades and decades. Um, So, you know, it's a very leopards ate my face kind of situation. I think that young earth creationism, just like being the flat earther, lends itself to a larger mistrust in the scientific community and that is a dangerous game to play because no one can do it all we can't all be experts in everything you know i focus on human evolution and primatology i'm not going to be your go-to for physics i'm not going to be your go-to for chemistry Uh, and i'm not going to be your go-to for medicine i trust my doctors and i trust the chemists and the physicists who do what they do uh that they are trained in that area just like we trust, yeah. you know, folks who are, are bankers or mechanics or plumbers that they're going to do their jobs right. We have to trust the experts in their fields as best as we can because no one can do it all. And it is the creationists, at least, you know, it, it is my opinion that the creationists very frequently foster and nurture an inherent doubt in the experts. Um,
0: Absolutely.
1: And you know that can be that can be dangerous.
0: I think that applies to all conspiracy theorists, though, doesn't it? What yeah. do you think? The same patch because it, it, it's, it's always interested me that when COVID nineteen became a thing, that's affected us all in in various ways. Everybody that was into conspiracies or everybody that was a flat earther suddenly became an expert virologist just yeah. overnight.
4: I had, a, like, it, it's so funny. I I did have, and I, do you know what? I wasn't thinking even from the COVID point of view, but um, I did have a friend, uh, was a friend of mine. I had studied web design with him years ago and he, relatively intelligent chap, bit strange, but intelligent guy. And, and um, his answer to me on COVID because he saw me wearing a mask was, uh, well, I don't know anyone who's gotten it. And at the same mm. time, you know I, I as i said to you before crickey i work for a hospital I yeah. work for a children's hospital and i'm working on cases of children who have passed and um my my question to him was do you know anyone that's been mauled by a tiger or do you know anyone that died in a plane crash and without missing a beat he just answered oh they they'll pro- they're probably put down as being killed by covid i'm like you know, and I think um, you, you hit it there perfectly as well. Like you know, trust in the experts. I like you, Creaky. I drive a bike. Yeah. But I'm no mechanic. Um, I can do certain jobs myself. There's other things. I go to. Um, I go down the road to a guy I know here. Yeah, I you you go to an expert, I trust don't you? Him to do it.
0: You go to an expert hmm? in the relevant field it's or the relevant exactly area of
4: expertise. Such a simple concept You're that doesn't seem to. Yeah. Yeah. Get through. And- and I did you kind of I team suppose team connected action. to it all as well. Um I wonder what you think about it. Like obviously I I, uh, <laughs> I mentioned it before, but you probably guessed the way I stutter. Yeah, I suffer with anxiety and a few things like that. It's it's attached mm-hmm. to CPTSD. Um so mm-hmm. sometimes I hate the idea of throwing around words like, you know, crazy lunatic stuff like that. But with these, I feel it's almost mm-hmm. it almost makes sense. You know, I, I I don't
0: know if I'm if I'm wording it very well, but um... I I kind of know what you mean. I kind of know what you mean. So, Erica, so what? Going going back to Padge's original questions, is is there a particular? Uh, not, like, I don't just want to continuously bash young earth creationists, as, yeah. even though it's enormously fun. But is there any sort of pseudoscience that you think is particularly more dangerous? From yeah, from what I mean, you've it's like seen. That.
1: Yeah, it's, it's always anti-vax. I mean, they're, they're, they're constantly, and I guess yeah. with that would be kind of the homeopaths. Um, uh, there is a fine line that we walk between respecting people's opinions and having a sort of postmodern approach to yeah. knowledge. Because there are some things that are objectively true. Right, um, and and I live in a in an area of the world where um, there are some folks of sort of specific religious ideologies, and I'm not talking about like evangelical Christians, but sort of um, different, more I guess Eastern religious ideologies that do sort of have a, a cultural connection to some of these kind of homeopathic ideas, like you need to tie an onion to the bottom of your foot, and maybe that'll help cure you know what else? Yeah, um, a little bit of you know, we would call them perhaps unkindly superstitions. And so there's a fine line that we walk between respecting people's opinions and saying, okay, you know, I have respect for you and your religion. And that's of course your prerogative, but at the same time, that's not going to fix your cancer. So you do have to foster this trust in medical professionals who have gone to school for a decade after college to specialize in what it is that they, that they are trying to treat you for uh, because you you can't possibly treat yourself um, and, and also uh, have whatever your your regular career like we have to specialize as a species we specialize yeah. that's partially why we thrive because we allocate different specialties to different people um, but yeah distrust in medicine I mean we saw it with the pandemic when 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 people distrust medicine um, and, and I'm not saying you can't be skeptical of things being skeptical of things can be healthy but golly there's a really big difference between saying yeah you know like I'm trying to consider uh, whether or not you know, I, I think that it's a great idea to push the vaccine out as early as we passed it, which I am of the opinion that we, we did things quite well. Uh, but there's a difference between that and saying, I don't think the vaccine works or I don't think the pandemic is real or I don't think that viruses are real and the polio vaccine is bad and all that nonsense. Because when you don't vaccinate your kid for things like polio or measles or whatever, you start putting other people at risk because your kid becomes, you know, a a, a harbor for this kind of these kinds of of diseases that can hurt more vulnerable people, whether it's COVID or some of these, you know, more classic diseases. Um, Absolutely. And that all boils down to a mistrust of science and a mistrust of the experts. This isn't an elitism thing. This isn't like, a oh, haha, doctors know more than you and they're going to lord it over you and tell you what to do this is a we we train our doctors for a decade so that they can provide medical help to people who aren't doctors themselves you know i I just i don't and that's what's so scary about that is because it's like the least nefarious of of all of these conspiracy theories when you get right down to it like not least nefarious, as in the conspiracy theory isn't nefarious but like the the enemy that you're creating is doctors and medicine and sometimes they'll be like oh it's big pharma which is like okay I, I can understand being mistrustful of you know organizations that profit from creating medication i guess you know you can i i'm not a huge fan of the way big pharma works i guess um yeah yeah it's like with young earth creationism <clears> and flat Earth. it's like oh it's this mysterious and vague elite that is bad it's like okay whatever but with Anti-vax, it's very specifically the doctors that are bad, um and that is a dangerous game to play.
4: Yeah, um, it's funny you area. mentioned things like homeopathy and that. Like I, I was dragged into all that when I was younger, mm. when I was diagnosed with um <clears throat> with different issues. I, I, right. Obvious from my accent, I'm um Irish. So a big thing over mm. here is faith healing, and uh, I was dragged to a faith healer. Like I've I've mm. been pagan now. To explain my paganism, whole long story, but. Technically, I'm pagan uh, since mm. I was ten, and I was dragged to a faith healer. And it's one of the strangest experiences I've ever had in my life. I, you know, I'm th- turning forty this year. I think that was I was thirteen or fourteen, and it is still one of the strangest experiences I have ever, ever had. And I, I, I yeah, I, I love all the Eastern stuff. I love all that kind of thing. It's really interesting. I, you know, but. um yeah,
0: no. <laughs> nice. yeah. I
4: don't, that's I, it, right? I don't even know what to I say much? about it, put it that
0: way. Southern Ireland's a very, very religious uh, part of the world, or part, yeah. isn't it? You know, I've got family very. out there, I think I told you before. Um my, uh, my, my yeah, yeah. County Carlo and my my cousin Sinead is is a doctor. She lives in Australia now, but it goes back to what Erica said. She kind of left school, she went to college, then she went to university. Now she's a doctor, now she's in her thirties. But she's still in school because even though she's been a doctor since she was in a probably about your age now, Erica. Um, I think was when she finally became a doctor that could see patients yeah. and diagnose them and treat them. She's still studying. She's still yeah. taking exams and, and 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 furthering her knowledge and and you know <clears throat> increasing the varying ways in which she can help people. So how somebody who runs around kind of screaming that the earth is flat can claim to be more knowledgeable about uh, a a virus or any other condition than somebody that's had that many years training just completely baffles me just completely baffles me yeah
1: and it's like it's not just oh i'm more knowledgeable it's also you're nefarious in hiding something like mm. to, to someone who's dedicated their life to healing others i i, I just can't wrap my head around that
0: yeah and to me that i know
1: so i
0: worked. know it's nuts absolutely nuts anyway Paj, i'm gonna jump over into one of the other calls just, um we've got somebody there got... i will speak to you soon pal take care take care take care bye 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 anyway so while we wait for... should do oh, something there he is there He's we go. Here. Yeah, I was... How are you doing, pal? All
5: right, yeah.
0: And more I'm importantly, doing well. ahoy hoy. Ahoy hoy back to you. But ahoy, why are you ahoy. here? It's probably already tomorrow in New Zealand, and it's either Ooh. very early in the morning and you've peed the bed, or you've stayed up especially.
5: Sheesh. Well, I have actually stayed up especially for this, so.
0: Oh, you're oh, such you a kind you. man. I don't love it hang on a second, I've just realised you've never been here for one of my live streams before. Do you mean to say that you're not here because it's my live stream and you're more interested in speaking to my guests?
5: Well, I I feel like you would have... Well, yes, and... um, I feel like you'd have a bit of knowledge about what's been going on with Mr. Peel. I haven't heard uh, <laughs> Doctor Peel. I haven't heard anything about Doctor. Peel No, he's, he's
0: he's gone very quiet. Uh, plan of walk. I don't know, I don't know what's going on. I don't know if Kent and Matt have got him locked in a cupboard somewhere, or if they've I'm sent him familiar. off on a retreat. You're not familiar with Mr. Peel, Jessica? Uh, e- Erica, oh, sorry. I
1: love, oh no, I love Mr. Peel. Oh, you I are love familiar he, with Mr. Peel? He's, he's the most qualified one.
0: He probably drink. is. He probably is. Anyway, plan a walk. Fire away, pal. No that you've spoken to me plenty.
5: Yeah, I do have a question, and because I recently found out about your channel fairly recently, mm. because when I go to my dashboard, it tells me channel analyst of other channels that my pe- uh, that people in my audience watches and uh, yours can mm. come up. And one thing that confused me was. Why gutsick Gibbon? You know, it's yes, it's a very interesting nickname, or, or name, should I say? And
1: it's not as and you've explained
5: you've part of it, but where did the gutsick part come from?
1: Yeah, it's uh. So I I don't know if you know this. I I do a lot of art. I do art for my channel. Um, all my animations are mine. And so there was a very brief period where I wanted to be an animator. Uh, and gutsick Gibbon kind of came about when I was, I almost, I, I was in the process of signing up for a Reddit account um, because I wanted to hop on Reddit and argue with people on the internet. And uh, I'd just drawn that day, uh, you know, this this stupid cartoon of a gibbon and it had tea in its lap, right? And it was kind of feeling sick to its stomach. You need to drink tea when you have a stomachache. So it's sick to its guts, it's a gut sick gibbon. And I was like, that's kind of funny. I guess I'll just pick that for my Reddit name. It's not like, it's not like Reddit usernames are forever. <laughs> it's not like they followed you forever. Um, so I picked it, and, uh, you know, I, I was very active in the Debate Evolution subreddit. And then when I I was like, you know, I could probably put this to good use, like, on a YouTube channel. Um, I'll just do a YouTube channel. But I didn't want everybody from Debate Evolution to not be able to find me. So I was like, well, I'll just keep it as Guts It Given. And then I was like, but people will ask, so I guess I'll, I'll draw the Guts It Given again. And what color are sick things? Well, they're green. But I was like, I like blue better, so it's a blue Guts It Given. It's sick to its guts all the time, you know. Very convoluted, not very exciting, but that's where it comes from.
5: <laughs> it's kind of funny that your that your name kind of you know is tangentially related to evolution. Then
1: it is, yeah. I mean, it, it, honestly, the the being into primates thing, like it probably would have been something completely different if I'd drawn something else that day. I was not in the process of even getting my master's degree at the time, so. You know, I, I hadn't really decided on doing the primatology thing. It had just so happens that it was it was a little primate that I had drawn, a little out, a little it, So it does. You're right. It did end up being a little fortuitous and a little bit, um, a little bit uh, predicted, huh? It was a <laughs> a premonition.
5: Yeah, it's it's something that happens quite often. Like I've had the name planar Walk for hmm. years and way before i started getting into flat earth stuff and then when i started getting into the flat earth stuff everybody got confused (laughs) so
0: yeah
1: i don't really have much else to say yeah
0: oh yeah it's like it's like my name though my name was my old instagram handle and Mm -hmm. i chose it because i'd been watching the peaky blinders on tv and absolutely loved the show And it was just a, a, a friend of mine was um, somebody that lives local to me, a, a real friend. Not He's not like an imaginary one or anything. He um, he was 51 Shades of Grey, and I always liked that. Aww. I always thought, that's really cool, a really clever play on words. And it just came to me one day. But now I'm kind of, it's it's gone from creaky blinder to just being creaky. And now yep. it's that, starting to feel like more of an insult than a name. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm nearly 50, so uh, I suppose I asked for it, and it's kind of, it's one of those things now, as as you said, um, Erica, when, when, once you've got it, you've got it, it's, it's difficult to change, because people it's look for you forever. by, the, yeah, people look for you by that name.
1: Exactly, yeah, the, the good news is, like, that's a given it's pretty easy to find right like it's yeah like, once once you've got it i mean you know if you can remember that it's called guts Gibbon, people usually can find me pretty easily i'm the only one with that name so
0: yeah nothing else comes it's up really and you thing. were always the first in a search
1: it's always there so i also go you know most people just do call like i don't have people call me Gutsick. like people call me erica right so
0: yeah or, or jennifer like good. i did five minutes ago for some reason <laughs>
1: it was jessica actually. Oh, Je-
0: so now see I see, i can't, can't remember even remember something i said to you five <laughs> minutes ago there is no hope can't for me at out. all it's cool. yeah <laughs> it's cool i'll just remember it forever yeah yeah exactly i i sadly won't probably not even for the uh, next I'm, five I'm, minutes
1: I'm line, so I, I sympathize i take absolutely no offense to goofing up my name because i can't remember <laughs> people's names you know I'm at all the world's,
0: i am the world's worst i have got the worst memory in the world uh, planner walk are you uh have you got anything else to ask um erica i nearly called you jessica or oh. oh, whatever i call. I don't know <laughs> planner walk save me why why uh, I... why do people always pronounce your name incorrectly then it, it is just planner walk isn't it as it's spelled why yeah. do so many people say plan a walk
5: because that's technically how it's meant to be pronounced
0: really because... why is there no e then i would have thought it would have required an e. if it was p-l-a-n-e-r walk then i would say yeah planar walk but
5: well it's because people uh when you've got p-l-a-n-a-r i think that's actually meant to be pronounced planar yeah but i oh. have always just seen it as planar
0: yeah not yeah and, then and i so i'll be honest I, with you i'm not really sure why i'm asking you for pronunciations let's yeah. let's uh, let's do a small experiment um i've the 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 summer months are fast approaching, so i've been doing a bit of yard work today clean cleaning up the back garden and there's that yeah. that, that that little area we all sit on on you know on like a lawn chair or maybe round a small table and have a barbecue mm-hmm. and it's spelled d e c k and how, <laughs> how how exactly do you pronounce that plan? I can never quite get it right.
5: Hmm. Okay, do you want me to pronounce it correctly
0: or well, incorrectly? J- just speak, Mr. Planework. <laughs>
5: <laughs> well, I'll I'll start by pronouncing it incorrectly, so uh people incorrectly pronounce it deck.
0: <laughs> that that sounds pretty correct to me. Deck? You know, I would and- be
5: It is correctly pronounced dick.
0: So in the summer, (laughs) you like to invite people around to sit on your dick. That's absolutely Uh disgusting. And you should be ashamed of yourself. For shame.
5: (laughs) I mean, I don't actually have a dick, so I don't know what you're talking about.
0: (laughs) right okay we're risking we're risking lowering the toll now <laughs> and it's entirely my fault i do apologize most humbly it,
1: sometimes you gotta go for it you
5: gotta exactly. go
0: for it exactly exactly right plan walk i'm going to um jump in the live call too because paul one of 12 is itching to ask a question all right take care take care dude speak to you soon right pal. good evening sir how the devil are you how's the green room behaving this evening rather quietly unfortunately
2: Oh look! I went and pulled a creaky. I had myself muted. I was just gonna say, unmute um, <laughs> yourself
0: quick before anyone notices.
2: <laughs> okay, I just uh, yeah, the green room is a little slow tonight, but that's okay. We, that means we can talk to Erica ourselves. Exactly. Which is awesome, because she's great. First of all, Miracle Musical is fantastic. We all know that, right?
1: That's who. That's my real goal here. I'm proselytizing for Miracle Musical constantly.
2: I'm really surprised nobody has said anything about it yet.
1: I I am too. Usually, people usually I get a question about the intro. I'm actually in talks with the uh, with the boys who distribute Miracle Musical. I'm trying to get like official rights for using it so that I can like take away all the background noise. You know what I mean?
2: That would be cool. That'd be super. We'll see. I love that. We're going back. I do have a couple of questions, if that's okay. Shoot. First of all. And I know the answer. This is this is one of those. Uh, I'm going to play Columbo, um, and I ask you a question that I know kind of the answer to, but maybe other people. Why is the Japanese macaque so cool?
5: Oh
1: my gosh, they're awesome. One because they're adorable. Two because they're hilarious. Three because they wash potatoes in the ocean. Four because they taught each other how to wash potatoes in the ocean. Um, five because they use hot springs. Um, six because they make cute sounds. Lots of different reasons.
2: <laughs> I I can't remember where I I mean obviously I've been aware of Japanese macaques for a long time but as recently I saw where they had observed re, like very very recently observed them taking the, the the sweet potatoes or whatever it was to the to the salt water and washing them in the salt water and then I I just thought like oh, holy crap that is so cool. They're
1: they're seasoning it. That's the interesting yeah. part because they prefer it to the fresh water. They're they're basically yeah. eating French fries. <laughs> it's just French yeah. fries with fewer sets.
4: So <laughs> it's cool. pretty cool.
1: <laughs> they'll also they'll also take um I thought this was pretty, you know, cognitive of them, pretty clever, but they'll throw rice to the to the rhesus or to the to the Japanese yeah. and, cactus, ah. and they'll take handfuls of the rice um with the sand. And you know it's really annoying to pick the pick the rice out of the sand so what they do is they'll take a pile of the rice and the sand and then they'll walk over to the water and sift the sand out so that they're left with just rice
2: yeah they get a handful of it instead of one at a time
1: yeah they're they're cool man they're awesome i love Japanese macaques
2: me too i i had to ask you that and then uh i guess my my second question which isn't a follow-up or anything but it like really enjoy the animations you do. I know that you don't like the animating. You'd rather just doodle. But if you were to have to doodle Creaky, what would he be? Would he be, you know, an anthropoid? Would he be something else? Dinosaur maybe? Because he's ancient. I'm curious. (laughs) None taken, Paul. (laughs) Love you.
1: Maybe Maybe like... Maybe like a uh maybe like a howler monkey, how do you feel about Sin Nicholass
0: Positively? i've I've got no opinion some of the things that is I get like called the- on the internet, what you would choose it to draw like me talk. at seems completely irrelevant at this talk. point well I do like the talk. to talk quite a lot yeah, actually it. it's it's people perfect. people notice that I like to talk a lot. is that what you're saying? <laughs>
2: You are talking over our guest, man. So, I know. Man, I know.
0: I'll just mute myself. I'll <laughs> shut myself up.
2: All right. I've got somebody else in the green room that might want to talk, so I'm going to bounce back over there. Uh, it was very, very nice to talk to you, Erica, and thank you for doing the show.
1: Pleasure is all mine.
2: Yay. <laughs>
0: Take care, Paul. <laughs> oh, dear me. Um, So we have coming in now. Is it Gary Ahern is coming in, uh, Paul? Are you going to put him in two with me, or am I am I on the move again? So you know, you were saying earlier on about Kent Hovind, and I, I hate going back to him, but I love talking about him because he annoys me so much. Probably because oh, I talk know. about him so much. So you know, <laughs> I, it's more specifically Matt Powell I've heard saying this, but they always bang on about how transitional fossils are irrelevant. Why do you think they say that? What would be the logic in them saying that? And is there a transitional fossil that you think is so significant that them choosing to ignore it is just idiotic?
1: Oh, my God. I mean, the whole hominin fossil record is nothing but transitionals. You can, you can map the emergence of bipedality in big brains from 7 million years ago to now, and you can do it with precision. You yeah. can show precisely when certain muscles show up to help stabilize gait. You can look at where specific brain reorganizations took place thanks to the advent of things like endocasts. Every single transitional fossil is a massive problem for creationists, whether it's in hominins, or whether it's in tetrapods, or whether we're looking at cetaceans, it doesn't matter. So really, it's quite smart of them to just say, no, nah, they don't matter.
0: Yeah. So, <laughs> don't worry so, about
1: them. They so don't exist.
0: It, they're just trying to divert attention away from something that would be virtually impossible for them to explain away because what would you it say? Yeah, because it's so devastating to their argument. Um, right, I think Gary's on the line now. Uh Gary, can you hear me? Yes. Yeah, there he is. How are you doing, pal? I'm good, thank you. I'm
6: sorry that I seem to be the root of all your technical issues sometimes.
0: I was I was gonna say when I see you appear in the in the green room, I get this sinking feeling and I can only describe it as terror. Um, I think you're no.
6: chasing me around the um,
0: yeah. live room. <laughs> yeah. No, mate, it's absolutely fine. Honestly, people who watch me expect technical issues. So you're probably contributing <laughs> to the show overall. So uh, thank you, Pap. Um So, yeah, so Erica, can you hear you? You fire away, mate. Okay. Hi, Erica. How you doing?
1: I'm doing all right. How are you?
6: Yes, I'm very good. Thank you. I think actually Paul kind of stole my question. It was about your intro music, which I love. <laughs> um i just wanted to know sort of what gave you the the idea to take it or use it or
1: it's just weird i like it i love the mind electric i love miracle musical and tally hall and all those guys i'm kind of like i don't know the weirder the music the kind of more fun it is to animate right the 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 more interesting things you can kind of do with it um But yeah, yeah, that's, dude, I love that. I love the Mind Electric. It is so weird. And people tend to get disappointed because they go and listen to it on like Spotify or Apple Music. And little known fact, (laughs) the Mind Electric plays completely backwards before it plays forward. So you have to go to like the three minute, 20 second mark to even start the actual song.
6: Yeah, no, I I did. I did search for it once once I got into your channel. And um, yeah, it did take a little bit of... um... Searching to try and it's get great. it, but uh, it is now in my playlist as a thumbs up on Completely. as one of my favorite and I do like the backwards bit as well, so um I don't actually yeah. skip it. I do actually listen to it all
1: yeah it's I don't know I think those guys are so talented i love I love miracle musical. I wish they did more stuff, but it's you know it's a collaborative work between a bunch of different artists, so I imagine it's probably hard to get everybody back on board for another full scale album, <laughs> but maybe someday. <laughs>
6: Yeah, I'll I'll have to research them a bit more. But that collaboration point, I think, might lead me on to what I was actually going to get to next in terms of... And I hate going back to Kent Hovind. I know, um, you know, but in my opinion, he is like the head of a snake. Um, And um, I didn't know whether at some point... Because I know he likes to brag and say that he'd take on, you know, 15 scientists with his hands tied behind his back and all that sort of jazz But um, I didn't know whether it would ever be a possibility for experts in in their own field in geology, paleontology um, to all get together and sort of take him on one last time, if you know what I mean.
1: Oh, yeah. Like a, a final a final collaborative blow. The thing is, is Kent would just. Oh, God, that, that would be such a double-edged sword, because on one hand, it would be very satisfying to watch Kent get verbally beaten to death by a bunch of different you know, experts in their respective fields. But the problem with that is Kent would walk away from that. He would say he won, and then he would say, remember that time that I debated 15 experts in 15 different fields and, and beat all of them? Yeah. It's almost God. like... He's like a um. He's like in that one episode of The Simpsons where the advertisements come to life. It was like a Treehouse of Horror episode, and uh, the only way to truly defeat Kent is actually to just ignore him, which sucks because he's so fun to pick on. But you know, he 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 thrives on being noticed and on having the opportunity to say, you know, look at look at how smart I am. Look how many debates I've had. Look
0: how many debates you've lost, Ken. That's the real... Yeah. That's, that's, the real that's why I I'm... i sets it up for... Sorry. So, no, Ricky. sorry, Gary. You go on. You go on. You go on. I,
6: I, th- I think he sets it up for him uh, himself that he's actually on... He puts um, evolution on the back foot. It's always for evolution to be proven. Like, nobody's ever held his feet against the fire in terms of his own... I'm doing air quotes here. Science. Um, it's, it's, it always seems to be that evolution seems to be on the back foot in having to, you know, uh, defend itself against his incredulity.
1: Well, he'll, he'll do the thing where he'll say, well, I'm not asking people to, I'm not expecting people to use their tax dollars to teach my religion. You know, that's the thing that he'll say, uh, on like why Kent doesn't want to ever actually defend what he believes to be the case. That's, that's his catchphrase for it. Um. But I mean, he, he won't even outline what would convince him because he doesn't care, right? Like, you know, again, that's, that's my thesis on Kent Hovind is Kent Hovind doesn't care. Um, He, you know, there's a reason why evolutionary theory is accepted by so many people, both in, you know, conventional science who are irreligious and the religious alike. And the reason is because it's inherently robust. It is so, every single time that, you know, you you run an experiment in the lab using the assumptions of evolutionary theory, you're further validating it if your hypothesis comes to fruition. I mean, we see it in the lab, we see it in the field. It is it is ubiquitous in biology. This is just not something that's up for debate, which is why Kent has to say evolution includes all of these extra things like cosmic evolution or the creation of elements, like all this random stuff that is not a part of evolution, you know, conventionally speaking, but that's what creations do a lot of the time. A lot of them have to change the definitions to try to level the playing field.
0: Yeah, exactly, yeah. it's a, yeah. A, What I was going to say earlier on, It's you know, you were saying about I'm really torn with Kent Hovind. One part of me loves making videos about him because he's Kent Hovind. And then at the same time, I know that I shouldn't do it because I'm convinced that he wants people like me, and like you, Erica, to, to make videos about him because he sees that that gives him more exposure and to a certain extent it does. It may not necessarily be the exposure he wants, but there's that old saying, isn't there, that no press is bad press, you know, so... Yeah, neg- yeah negative press is better it's
4: than true.
0: bad
6: press, yeah. Yeah, yeah more, um, we've um, fallen into that, yeah. his
0: trap, really. Yeah, well, and
1: that's why do you think he does whack an atheist Wednesdays or whatever the hell he does? You know, where he's like, "Hey, look, I'm going to piss off this one whatever atheist or non young Earth creationist content creator, so they will be forced to respond to me." You yeah. know, what I mean that he he gets himself into this nice little tumbleweed where he yeah. forces larger creators to interact with them. and then he siphons views.
0: Yeah, that's that's what I do. Though see, I will make a video about Kent, <laughs> which I've just done he will probably now make another episode of an Atheist about me. Probably will. Because I know it annoys him, I won't respond then. I'll act as if it hasn't even happened. And then maybe in three months I'll make a video about him again and I may briefly mention it. And that's the way I've dealt, you know, that's how my kind of relationship has been with Kent Hovind. I make a video about him, he makes a reply and I ignore it. Because I know that probably infuriates him. And I don't want to help him. This is why I never share links to anybody's... So if I if I make a a, a, a response to anybody, Kent Hovind, or whoever it may be, I never credit their video. Now, some people say, oh, you should, you know, so we can... Go. No, I don't want to help them in any way, shape, or form. And that is why I do not share the links to the people I make videos about because most of the time because of the types of people i talk about they don't deserve the help and i really believe people who deserve help should get help people who don't they don't get a thing
1: yeah and i think i think to a point right like there is utility to debunking kenthoven for the fence sitters the people who are thinking about leaving you know kenthoven's kind of cult, if you will, the people who are out there creating content that says, hey, you know how Kent says this, here's why he's wrong. There's use and utility to that. I think that that can be, you know, a net good. Yeah. Uh, the question is like, okay, how much interaction is too much interaction? And I don't know because I have a, a creationist YouTube channel that I sometimes interact with and I hate giving them unnecessary attention. I'm not going to say the name here because it irritates me so much, Yeah. Um, but they're constantly on YouTube spewing nonsense and someone has to step up and debunk it and so it's like okay well take the time to debunk it and what i've kind of resorted to doing is i will talk about that channel but i will blur out its name and never use it's never never talk about the people directly just show pictures of the channel with the name blurred out and be like this small youtube content creator has this to say about evolution and then here's why you know it's Nonsense! Yeah. I don't
0: know. But a, a lot of them are like that. It's, I don't know if you're familiar with that vegan teacher. She's a perfect example of that. If I make a video about her, she doesn't respond. I've only got sixty-three thousand subscribers. But if Mr. Beast was to make a video about her, she would do fifteen yep. replies because he's got oh, yeah. almost a hundred million subscribers. So there's a benefit to her, and I think a lot of them operate on that basis. What's in it the for finish. me? Yeah.
1: Yeah. The YouTube food chain, where it's like, if you talk about someone and they're smaller than you, you pull them to your level. Right. Yeah. Like, the, and more people will pay attention to them and subscribe to them. The good yeah. thing about Kent is, Kent is already pretty big. Um, so, yeah. talking about Kent, there really isn't a huge risk in giving him unnecessary attention. Um, this channel I'm talking about, though, is rather small. So,
0: yeah. It, I, I desperately want to know what that is now. So, there's the question I'm going to be asking you. <laughs> Once we're all fair. Uh... Oh
1: yeah, yeah. I'll, I'm happy to. I'm happy to to draw the line. Just promise me if you do cover them that you'll piss them off by <laughs> blurring their name out. Erica, and I, think, I, I
0: think my. I think if there was one thing that I could consider to be my claim to fame on YouTube is that I piss off everyone I make videos about. <laughs> and really? V- yeah, I'm well, ver- really? I'm very deliberately, very deliberately. So. I know you haven't technically spoken, and we are getting towards the end of the show. Um, I know you haven't actually spoken about this on on your own channel, um, unless it's something that I've not seen. Um, Hmm. But you've met Ken Ham at the Creation Museum.
1: I have. It's one of my claims to fame.
0: I have always said that I can't think of anything worse than interacting face-to-face with somebody like ken ham or ken and not because i would be afraid to because i just can't think of anything worse as i said in a short i launched last week and also the t-shirts are now available in the merch store at the request of my audience i would rather shit in my hands and clap than than spend any time in a room with somebody like kent Hovind. so what what was it like to be kind of with ken ham
1: well, it's, it's actually insane. It was totally accidental. So I, I, the whole reason I did that documentary was because I, it was because I mentioned this in the documentary, but I was talking with my mom uh, and she was like, why do you have a YouTube channel dedicated to debunking younger earth creationists? You know, my parents are religious and they're like, no one actually thinks this. Like you would have to be crazy to think you're the 6,000 years old and that evolution isn't a thing. You know, they're both normal people. They're religious, but they're progressive. And so they were like, I was like, listen, mom, like, I don't think you understand. Yeah, there's museums dedicated to this, and they are not far from where we were at that time. So I was like, you don't believe me, let's go. Let's go. We'll go tomorrow. You and me, we're going to go to the Ark Encounter and the Creation Museum, and I'm going to make a video about it to document our trip. It's going to be great. It's going to be systematic. And she was like, okay, fine, we'll go. And it was when we were at the Ark Encounter that she was like, hey, it's it's exactly like I animated it in the video. She was like, hey, isn't that the guy who like runs the whole thing? Ken Ham? And I was like, What? And I turned around. There he is. He's just there at the Ark Encounter. And everyone we talked to after that was like, yeah, dude, he never shows up. Like he never comes to the Ark Encounter or the Creation Museum. This is so rare that he actually comes to speak. And I was like, oh my God, I have to go meet him. It's not optional. Like I, even though Ken Ham like grates on every fiber of my being, you can't not go meet him. You know, I was making a a hit piece on his, on his giant boat. I was like, I have to go talk to him. So you know, I, I walked up and I shook his hand. And I took a picture with him, and I was like, "Listen, man, like I, I seriously disagree with what you've got going on here. I like that it's a big boat, but that's about it." And yeah. He was like, "Make sure you're reading your Bible correctly," and I was like, "You make sure you're reading your Bible correctly." And then I was like, "Mic drop." And we walked away, and I was like, <laughs> "Really? That's I was so on cloud cool." It, I was on cloud nine because I was like, "I got to tell Ken Ham to his face that I disagreed with him. Not yeah. that he cares, but..." listen, that video is almost at 300,000 views. AIG has responded to videos under, you know, 10K before. I know he's seen it. I know he's seen that video. And I don't know if he'll, I think that what he's doing now is probably the best thing that he could do, completely ignore it. Um, But, you know, that's my magnum opus. I think I'm very happy with how that piece turned out. And it, it really, it just lulls me to sleep at night knowing that Ken Ham, was he probably saw that section of the video and he was like, "Oh crap, <laughs> I shouldn't shook her hand." Yeah,
0: that that, that is like... really so. So, but but he had no idea that you created content on YouTube. You know, kind of no. He he wasn't aware no, of you or anything. Not. I th- I think he's a, he's a very different animal from somebody like Hovind, isn't he? I think he's just the figurehead and. I I know there's plenty of videos with him in, but he doesn't actually sit down like Kent Hovind does and make a video about... uh, Yeah, 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 he doesn't do any of that, does he? He doesn't do any of that, does he? He
1: he probably doesn't, yeah. Yeah. At that time, though, I had very few... I had only 6,000 subscribers when I made that video. So now I'm at, whatever, 32 or something like that. Yeah. significantly better. So
0: maybe he knows me now. Yeah, yeah. It'd be very interesting to see if he ever responded to you in any... In any way, shape, or form, and more importantly, remembers meeting you. Maybe.
1: Yeah, I I hope so. That would I I you know I would love that. I would love it if if you know Ken if we ever met again and he he was like seriously you you shook my hand and then you did a piece on my on my attraction yeah yeah because it was wrong
0: yeah that's absolutely awesome. (laughs) Anyway, just one last question before you go. What's your YouTube guilty pleasure? Is there anything you watch that is completely disassociated from anything that you talk about or watch as part of your research? There, there must be that one channel that you just can't resist clicking on when you see they've uploaded new content.
1: Oh my god! I, I listen to so many like true crime or like creepy YouTube video channels where they like dive into ARGs or like mysterious top ten mysteries that are unsolved. And there's a billion of channels like that. A billion of billion channels just like that that I would chill for. Next Po, um, blame it on George lazy masquerade all these guys that have these videos that they put out they're kind of spooky and scary and i'd like to get my animation done or you know something like that while it's playing in yeah. the background it's so scary one in my yeah. house and, um, but you know on the lighter side sometimes i like watching like primitive technology i like watching people build shit in the woods so yeah. kind of fun and relaxing
0: yeah yeah because um, i i watch so much random stuff it's uh it's unbelievable yeah. because the type of videos I respond to are not the videos I watch because I want to watch a video. They are videos that I have to watch because I need to learn, you know, how to respond to what they're saying. So I, I tend to keep the two separate. So
1: what's your guilty pleasure channel?
0: Um, At the moment, it's a vlog channel um, called Stradman. He's basically a guy your age. Five years ago, he didn't have a pot to piss in or a window to throw it out. And now his car collection is... Probably worth somewhere in the in the region of about five million dollars. He's Dang. he's in the middle of building a house, which is going to stand him about four million dollars when it's complete. All from YouTube videos. So wow. good
1: for him. That's awesome.
0: Yeah, I th- he, and he made him. He deliberately made himself homeless to pursue his channel. So he had yeah. a he had a small two seat uh, Audi TT, and he lived in Utah and all the supercars and the Rolls Royces and everything were in Los Angeles. So he lived on the streets of LA in his car so that he could film supercars and the channel gained momentum and um, sort of became what it is now. And he's doing fantastically well and I literally do not miss an episode. He's just, there's just something about him that makes him really watchable regardless of what he's talking about.
1: Good for him. That's great. It's I, awesome, you, you isn't are, it? Yeah, you love it, to see it.
0: Exactly, exactly. Erica, thank you very much indeed. Do not escape because we will speak to you once we no longer on air. Is there anything that you've got coming up that you want to let people know about before uh, before I let you go?
1: Just show up on Gutsy Given every Wednesday. Something's coming out. I can promise you
0: that. <laughs> And it's all linked below as well. Um, I will double check all the links, obviously, but everybody knows that I don't make any mistakes. So I'm sure they're absolutely fine. Apologies to the people who super chatted. Um, I can see that I missed a super chat from Padge um, and I missed a super chat from Secular Pagan Mum. And Arian Hod has become a channel member as well. So it's not that I'm ignoring you. It's the first time streaming on this channel and I don't think I've linked it with the streaming software 100%. Plus, I'm an idiot. So, thank you, Erica. I will speak to you in a moment. And you lot can just bugger off and leave me alone.
2: Love you. Bye. <laughs>